evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the March 8, 2016 edition of Season 3 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation every Sunday night at 7 p.m. right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Every week we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know about it. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Thank you once again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Busy as ever because of the time of the year that we are in. Crown Trophy has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade and continues to do so for every championship and will do so starting this week. Yeah, that's right, this week we have championship games starting this week, this Thursday night, this coming Sunday, in two weeks' time. Plenty of championships to be won and they will all be courtesy of Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. The Yeshiva League trusts them, so should you. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of last season's episodes of The Court Report, all of this season's episode. Actually, going back to Season 1, the very beginning, you'll be able to send in comments for each show as well. Please keep the comments nice. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Uh, Again, it is March 8th, and you know what that means. We are getting down to the wire. We are so close. Cannot believe that we're down to this time of the year as the games tick away. This week is all about semifinal action. Just about every league has found their way to the semifinals, and some are even on that way to the magical game, the championship. Hockey uh, went through their semifinals this past week, including a double-up last night where we had both varsity hockey uh, semifinals, including the rematch of last year's quadruple overtime game between Hafter and SAR. We'll get to that as we get to hockey. Um, Also going to recap for you this week the two JV uh, semifinals games that went on the past week, uh, leading to what is sure to be an amazing championship game between the two top teams in the JV League. We'll also get to basketball, where there are a couple of really great girls matchups, including the Brewery of Frisch, uh, I guess you can call it a grudge match, where uh, both these teams during the regular season split the regular season. The only reason why one is in the position they're in is because they lost two coin flips, one to one to give Frisch the number one seed in that league, and one to give and one to give SAR the nod over them. So we'll get to that game for you. Uh, the, the rubber match, the grudge match, whatever you want to call it, it was an epic game. Uh, Frisch, uh, speaking of Frisch, just want to note that the Cougars are having a phenomenal postseason all across the board. You take all eight of the leagues are, that are going on now where you go through the three 
the three basketball leagues you have uh, varsity basketball you have girls varsity basketball you have JV basketball and girls JV basketball sorry so it's four basketball you go through the two hockey leagues you go through varsity and JV hockey and then you look over at volleyball which we don't necessarily cover uh, but in all eight of those leagues because JV and varsity uh, volleyball Frisch came into the week with teams still alive in all of them. That's phenomenal to have one school be in seven of the sorry, be in eight of the uh, of I may have just spoiled that for you to be in eight of the semifinals or finals still be alive coming into the week uh, when you're this late in the season is just nothing short of amazing. Also, nothing short of amazing has been Frisch's coverage, not really doing much over the regular season with their broadcast. The last couple of uh, the last couple of weeks, they've been on point. Uh, I had a chance to take a look at last week's uh, Hafter Frisch quarterfinal basketball game, a game that we'll cover in just a few minutes. If you get a chance, take a look at it. It was one of those amazing games, and the broadcasters, the kids, are doing an amazing job. So, you know what I say, even though not too happy that games are going up and then disappearing, but the truth is, the kids are doing an amazing job and they deserve to be celebrated. So, we'll take you through a little bit of that game later on as well. At the end of the night, we'll also give you a little preview of something going on this week, the Saracek Tournament. Saracek coming once again to YU. Cannot wait for it. It's going to be a great weekend, and in the middle of that weekend, the Hockey Championships. Can't believe we're getting down to this time of the year. It's just so... It's bittersweet, because by the time we're on next week, two sports are going to be done, and then we have, or at least two sports are going to be done, and then we have, all we have is, is the Sunday the 20th, and then what do we do after that? We have, we move on to spring, and, and these sports go dormant again for another another eight months. Uh, well, not really eight months. Yeah, I guess you can say eight months. It's it's a matter of uh, of waiting until October again. So if you're still in it, congratulations, good luck to you. Uh, hopefully, we mention your name as being the victors from the last week, and uh, you're looking ahead to one of the games coming up. But we got a lot to do today, so let's uh, let's dive right in and see uh, how far we can go with this, how much I can actually get through, because we got a lot of detail and a lot to talk about. I want to give everybody their due, so we're going to jump right in right away. I'm going to kick off today's show talking about JV hockey, two semifinal games. You have the number one seed DRS, the Eastern Conference champions, hosting number six Hank, and you also have number two Frisch, the Western Conference champions, hosting number five Hafter. Start off with DRS and Hank this past week in the greenhouse. DRS and Hank close the entire year. Two very, very, very tight games. Two one game to kick off the season in DRS between the two. Middle of the season in Hank, DRS going down 2 nothing before making a 3-2 comeback victory. And uh, the question was, would the playoffs follow suit? Looked to be uh, the, the case very early on as Eitan Rabanapur and Jakey Friedman, former teammates back at Hartora, now facing each other for the third time. Who would come out victorious? Uh, early on, like I said, close game to start out, but DRS seemed to take the advantage and take the advantage they would on the scoreboard as well. 2.30 left in the first. Yosef Adler wins a faceoff to Elon Goldberg, who sends 
the ball behind the net, watches it ricochet to the opposing boards, where Jake Weinstock buries the ball home for the first goal of the game, 1-0 DRS. Moving on to the second period, 9.26 left to go. Daniel Sofer wins the ball back on a faceoff to Jason Shiawitz, who shoots five-hole. It is saved, but it trickles in behind Rabanapur for the 2-0 lead. A minute and a half later... Aiden Englander clears the ball into the Hank zone. Sofer, spin pass to the middle. Oren Goldberg puts the ball to the net, but bounces back to Sofer, who backhands it. Saved again by Aethan Rabanapur, but gets his own rebound, turns forehand, and scores from six feet out off the post to advance the DRS lead to 3 nothing. A little more than halfway through the period, DRS on the penalty kill. Taking a second penalty on a really interesting penalty call. Not really sure what was going on there. I don't think people at home watching the game actually knew. Got a little bit of an explanation. Really interesting call. Something that doesn't really get called in the Yeshiva League. Not really sure if it's actually even a penalty. But DRS taking it in stride. Goes on the forearm two. Kills off both penalties. And with 150 left in the second period... Jordan Aaronhouse would get called for a penalty on Hank, and so DRS would go on the power play. A couple of seconds in, Weinstock sends the ball across the floor to Adler, who moves to the high faceoff circle, pulls up, fakes the pass, and fires at top shelf to give a four-goal lead. So uh, Adler, 20 seconds after that, also doing it again, taking the ball from the corner and doing it himself for what would be his third playoff goal, and uh, I believe his 17th overall after a 14-goal regular season. Freshman Yosef Adler really doing it all this year. And with that, uh, DRS would hold a 5 nothing lead heading into the final period of play. Uh, in the final, in the in the third period, Sofer and Elon Goldberg would uh, would add points to the board for DRS, and the Wildcats would walk away with the seven nothing semifinal victory, moving on to the championship game. Who they would play? Well, that would be figured out a little later on in the week when number two Frisch met up with number five Hafter. Frisch, as we said, the Western Division champions. Frisch playing uh, this game with what seemed like everyone being hurt or sick. The the triage list was just so long. Uh, Charlie Bendheim with the flu. Joe Tropp with the flu, Charlie Freilich the flu, Benji Feintock broken rib. I guess this one, which one of those things is a little worse than the other. But uh, all four of them available to play. Just appears to be the case around playoff time. Injuries magically seem a little less serious, no matter how serious they really are. To the action, a couple of minutes into the game, uh, 4.30 to be precise, a pass from Yehuda Blonder behind the net out to Jonathan Safaniev. Remember, we said that Safaniev would be one of the key players for Hafter this game, and he was right off the bat. Safaniev at the top of the zone, ripping a shot on net past Freilish for the first goal of the game for the Hawks. Frisch would have a chance to tie later in the first with Hafter taking two consecutive penalties, but to no avail. The Cougars would enter the second period with a head of steam, but could not capitalize as the Hafter defense kept Ben Horowitz fairly clean. Defense would also be a help on the other end of the floor, a little over five minutes into the period. Cougars taking a penalty, sending Hafter to the power play again. After Maury Bauer from Frisch gained possession in the Hafter zone and put a shot to the net on Horowitz, Stefaniev, mentioning his name again, moved up with the ball to center court, passed it off to Jacob Kramer on the far wing. Kramer seeing Stefaniev make the cut to the middle, sent the ball to the net, Freilich making the initial save, but the rebound bounced right into Stefaniev's pass, and he put the ball home for his second of the game.
So things looking bleak for the home team heading into the second half of the game, with Hafter up 2 nothing with a ton of momentum, and it looked as if we'd have that same old Hafter-DRS rivalry in Lawrence Middle School. With 4.48, though, in the second, Safaniev and Trout, the two big men battling in the corner. Another matchup we spoke about, Safaniev sent to the box for a penalty, and Frisch would get an opportunity to climb back into the game. The Cougars had many great looks and put several good shots on net, but could not capitalize as Safaniev returned to the court following a successful kill. Time winding down, though, under a minute left, Hafter looked primed to add to their lead. Jacob Kramer at the line with the ball, moved in on Simon Morgenstern, playing without a stick, but Morgenstern was able to steer Kramer into a wide shot that bounced around the wall to Bauer, who picked the ball up, got past the Hafter offenseman at the line, moved up the right side, and blasted what home with 22 seconds left in the second to bring Frisch back within one. They would take that score into the locker room. We talked about last week where Hafter would head uh, into the third, you know, either tied or down one, but what would happen in a game where they were up going into the third? We would find out very quickly. Two minutes into the third, Kramer gets sent to the box for a trip on Bentheim, and Frisch would go to work knowing that a hafter kill, a successful hafter kill, would swing momentum back in their corner. Fifteen seconds into the penalty, though, Bendheim wins the faceoff back to Feintuck. Feintuck takes a shot that Horowitz saves, but loses the rebound, which trickles over to Bendheim on Horowitz's right. Horowitz sprawls out, but Bendheim puts it behind him to tie the game at two, with 10.05 left in the third period. So now the Cougars, two straight goals, worked themselves back into a tie, and the next goal for either team would be ever so important. It would come a minute and a half later. A dump into the Hafter defensive zone by Levine following a Frisch face-off win. Sent back to the line by Hafter. Bauer picks off the ball, slides the ball across the court to a wide-open Joe Trop, who fires one from the high face-off circle into the back of the net with 8.45 left to give Frisch their first lead of the game. Cougars buzzing at this point, Hafter looking disorganized, you know, very disorganized, and more importantly, tired. We talked about the uh, the conditioning that they would uh, need to go with on a much bigger court, and how bigger courts haven't really fared in their favor, especially looking at the DRS game that they played. Under five minutes to go, Frisch working feverishly to put the game out of reach. Bauer does it again from the right, from right in front of the net, after keeping a Hafter clear in from escaping the zone. A minute later, the icer, as Feintuck fires a shot from behind his own net, that Horowitz saves, but cannot control the rebound, which rolls back toward midcourt right to an oncoming Benheim, who puts it home for his second goal and the 5-2 lead with 3.24 to go. Nine seconds later, though, right off the opening faceoff, Trop would add his second, taking advantage of Hafter dropping into a 3-1, and the route was on, with Frisch scoring six unanswered goals, five in the third period of play. Trop, Bauer, and Benheim would each finish with two goals on the night. Victory will send Frisch onto the finals where they will face the DRS Wildcats. So here we have it. We have the two undefeated teams. The two teams ranked one and two the entire year going into the championship game this coming Sunday. DRS, the Eastern Division champions, Frisch, the Western Division champions going at it in Lawrence Middle School. The time for that game will be determined uh, at some point. Uh, I think it may have been maybe determined. Uh, not sure whether it will be the early, early game, whether it will be the second game, three games that day, including the uh, the varsity game, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, and the junior high New York game that will be at some point over the course of the day. These two teams, several storylines going back and forth. Again, we talked about the undefeated seasons. We talked about the division champions. One of these teams getting their first loss. Um, again, like I said, both division champions. Also, individual players having uh, certain histories. 
again, Maury Bauer, who we spoke about as it would pertain to Hank, uh, the possibility of Hank, what he could be doing in Hank. But funny enough, we'll get Maury Bauer, who actually several, several years ago, back before sixth grade, before transferring to Hank, that's right, Bauer was a Halb student. So, Maury Bauer getting to meet up with his old classmates again. One non-classmate, Jakey Friedman, whom uh, he and Maury Bauer have history two years ago in the junior high championship game. Jakey Friedman keeping Maury Bauer without a goal as the Hartora hat tricks behind Friedman defeated the Hank Hurricanes, well, then the Hank Cavaliers, now the Hank Hurricanes, 3-2 to two in the junior high championship game. So the two again will meet in a championship setting. The question is, will it be the same? Bauer having a a little more firepower on his side this time with Joe Tropp and uh, Benji Feintuck. Obviously, Charlie Bendheim making a name for himself in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, Jakey Friedman obviously having all the firepower in front of him, including, as we said before, Jake Weinstock, uh, Josef Adler, um, going all the way back to Aiden Englander and the Goldberg brothers. It's going to be a matchup really of the two best teams in the in the JV League this year. It's a very fitting championship. Who will win? We will find out this coming Sunday and we will have the answer for you next week right here on the Court Report. Moving on over to varsity hockey now. Both semifinals occurring last night, getting to the one that had everybody buzzing, and that was a rematch of last year's semifinal game, the four-overtime contest between the Hafter Hawks and the SAR Sting. Hafter being the number one team in the East, hosting SAR again, the number two team in the West. Last year, these two teams needing seven periods to decide the game. Those in attendance tonight surely hoped that it wouldn't, or maybe for those who are uh, just purists of the league, hoping that it would happen again. Well, right off the bat, we would get at least some indicator of what the night might be, but not exactly as we would have expected it. As a minute and a half into the game, Andrew Teagman moving into the zone, shooting high blocker side from the high face-off circle, scoring right past Gluck to get the one nothing SAR lead. That lead would last for about six minutes, 4.46 left in the in the first period. Jake Berger and uh, Gilad Kirstein double-teaming a, a, uh, an SAR defenseman behind the net. Berger taking the ball around the net, spinning around in front, putting it far post past Jonah Amarant to tie the game. Early like last year, where SAR scored the opening goal after coming back, question was, would we take this into uh, into six more periods? It would take a period for us to find out. Three and a half minutes left in the second period. Hafter taking a penalty, going on the kill, SAR. Not getting anything started. Not only that, a minute later, with uh, 2.24 left in the second Kirstein on the kill for the Hawks, menacing as a chaser. Racing an SAR defenseman into the zone, beats him to the ball, dives, gets the backhand shot on net, and past Jonah Amron for the 2-1 Hafter lead. Go to the set. Go to sorry. Go to the third period. Same score. Looks like uh, SAR would probably be able to get back into it, getting pressure on the Hafter net. But with three, with 8:07 left in the third, Jake Berger, three quarters court, turns around to clear the ball out of zone, fires a roller at the SAR net, rolls up off of Amron's stick and under the crossbar and in to give Hafter the 3-1 cushion. Again, SAR still. Uh, still pushing back, looking to uh, looking to at least get within scoring range. 
but with 321 left. Daniel Lichter taking a clear, fires a down court that hits off of Amron's glove, rebound, bounces right to the middle where Berger uh, comes in, puts it home for the hat-trick goal. So Jake Berger scoring three goals on the night, Hafter taking a 4-1 lead, and that would be all she wrote for the SAR Sting. So Hafter going back to the championship for the third year in a row, looking for their three-peat. Been a while since a, uh, since a team has three-peated. In fact, the last time it occurred was the end of the 2004 year, where the Hafter Flames themselves from 2001 to 2002, 2002-2003, and 2003-2004 accomplished that feat. Who they would face? Well, they would find out as across the river, the TABC Storm and the Frisch Cougars were doing battle. TABC, the one seed in the West, undefeated Frisch after knocking off Rambam in overtime in the opening round. First play of the game, ball cleared into the Frisch zone. Daniel Levy and Yair Noller head into the corner with one Frisch defender. Noller comes out with the ball, goes behind the net, comes out wide the other side, spins to his back and puts a shot to the net that miraculously goes in through Matty Reinhardt's pads and into the Frisch net for a 1-0 TABC lead. Fast forward, 3.30 left in the period. Frisch looking to exit their zone with a cross-court pass. TABC defenseman Joe Moskowitz steps up, intercepts the pass, deeks, and puts the ball to the net for the goal. And TABC would take a 2-0 lead. That would be that score going into the second period. Three minutes into the period. Face-off in the TABC zone. Yair Noller with the play of the game. Face-off one back by Frisch. But Noller reaching in uh, with his stick. Taps the ball past Johnny Newman. Pulls around him. Picks up the ball. Splits two Frisch defenders on a steep angle. Cut back to the middle. Goes airborne and shoves the ball five-hole for the third goal of the game. We would go to the third that way with TABC up 3-0. Early stages of the period, Frisch knowing that they needed something quick got on the board on a beautiful feed from Jordan Sokloff to spring Bryant and Alter loose at the line for a breakaway. Alter would bring the ball in, take the stick to the face, and still score to get the Cougars some life. Time would slowly tick off the clock, though, and Frisch would need to act fast once the team switched sides. It would never get to that point, though, as with just over five minutes to go, Jonah Gantrow maneuvered his way into the Frisch zone, put the ball on net, got stoned by Reinhardt, but the rebound went directly to Zach Rothenberg, who backhanded the ball into the net for the killer. TABC would work the clock the rest of the way and also take home a 4-1 victory, sending them to the finals and ending their semifinal curse. So congratulations to the Hafter Hawks and the TABC Storm. Well, it looks like in both JV and Varsity, we got uh, we got the top two teams in the, in the league. The two teams that everybody thought all you would end up there, ending up that we have the Eastern Division champion, the Hafter Hawks. We have the Western Division champions, the TABC Storm. It's funny. Four years ago, when these four classes entered into the league, these were the four; these were the two classes that I had at the top of the list. Obviously, Hafter gaining a little bit in terms of players having the additions of uh, of uh, of transfers, including Sam Schechter, uh, Daniel Lichter, and uh, Dan- uh, Donnie Goldberg. Not to mention Gilad Kirstein, who had a phenomenal game, probably the best player in uh, in last night's game. And then you look over at TABC, and you have probably the, the most talented group that this league has seen in a long time. Again, many people believe that last year, them not making it to the finals and them not winning was probably the biggest shocker that we've seen in quite a while with Levy, Noller, Naor, Ari Fuchs, Kalev Minsky, Shua Bielin, and Ned really coming up big in the playoffs as well. Congratulations to them. So it, it really does look as if hockey fans are 
are going to get their wish this coming Sunday. It's going to be uh, in JV. We're going to have the top two teams. We're going to have DRS and Frisch. And in varsity, we're going to have the matchup that people have waited to see again. Again, these two teams met in the regular season uh, in Hafter, where Hafter took a 2-0 lead early on, only to see the lead slip away and fall in overtime on a Yair Noller goal. These two teams are very intimately related. They have a lot of history now, and this Sunday is going to be a very big battle. Um, question for Hafter is going to be, can Ryan Gluck pull out the same uh, the same magic that he did last year to keep Hafter from falling to DRS and lead them to another championship? Gilad Kirstein and Jake Berger, obviously the offensive catalysts for them with uh, Jacob Kramer uh, bringing up the second line. That defense is a very feared defense with shots coming from anywhere and heavy shots, but the TBC team is probably the only team in the league that can effectively match them, and this Sunday is going to be a barn burner between what people, uh, as I said, as what we've had all year, ranked top one, top two, sorry, top two, top three, uh, with Hafter taking that loss. I know we dropped them down below SAR, but the truth is they were the better team. They, and this looks to be the matchup that people really wanted to see, and we're going to get to see it in Lawrence Middle School this coming Sunday afternoon. Once again, you are listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the week in quarterfinal and semifinal actions. Again, everybody getting to the semifinals and now on to the finals rounds, especially in girls basketball. Going to start off with girls varsity A semifinals this past week, both on the same night this past week, starting off with Bruria and Frisch. Uh, these two teams, part of that 10-2 and logjam at the top of the girls varsity West uh, um, Bruria taking the West 3, going into Hafter, defeating Hafter. Frisch, the West 1 after the coin flip. So these two teams, neck and neck, would the game be as it was in the regular season when they split? Who would win this rubber match? Bruria opened the game with an alley or gel jumper before Elisa Pavel of Frisch hit a shot from the free throw line to tie the game up. It would be part of an 8-1 Frisch run over the first five minutes of play. The run would be broken by a 6-0 run of Bruria's, including four straight points by Jesse Orgel to bring the lightning within one. Tova Weisskopf would complete the lead switch on a putback of her own miss to give Bruria the 9-8 lead with about 1.30 to go in the first quarter of play. Following two Pavel free throws, Jesse Orgel hit two long-range threes, including one at the quarter buzzer, to give Bruria a 15-10 lead. Orgel scoring 10 of Bruria's 15 points that quarter, matching Frisch by herself. You'd hear her name a lot over the course of this review. Uh, Tamar Fuhrer and Julia Reichel would open the quarter to cut the Bruria lead to one, but a three by guess who? Jesse Orgel would push it back out to four, but four quick Frisch points in transition would tie the game at 18 apiece with just over five minutes left in the first half of play. Frisch looked poised to take the lead after a defensive rebound, but Orgel, who literally looked to be a one-woman wrecking crew, putting pressure on Rachel, would strip the ball and lay it in for the 20-18 lead and her 15th points of the game, only 11 minutes in. Rachel would make up for the steal with a three to retake a 21-20 lead for the Cougars, and we would go back and forth for the remainder of the half with neither team taking more than a four-point lead. A battle extreme 
extremely befitting these two teams, as I said, tied in the regular season and splitting their matchups in the regular season. Uh, with Frisch holding a 30-26 to score and the clock winding down, Jesse Orgel would take the ball the length of the floor and hit a running floater from the free-throw line at the buzzer to cut the Frisch lead 2-2 at the half, 30-28. to The third quarter, an extreme back-and-forth affair, as the half would open up with five straight points, all by Orgel's, three by Jesse and two by Alley, before Frisch was able to end the run, now down one at 33-32. to Fuhrer would tie the game up with a free throw before dueling threes by Orgel and Fuhrer. Even when Orgel wasn't scoring, though, she was still making an impact. Gabby Goldberg would take an Orgel assist and take a 38-36 lead halfway through the period. On the next Frisch possession, great passing from the perimeter down low to Pavel, who finds Simone Tassler for the bucket on the opposite side, and we were once again tied at 38. On the next possession, Tassler would hit two free throws to take a 40-38 lead for the home team. The next four minutes would be a shot-for-shot battle, as even as the clock wound down at 43-43, both teams were able to hit shots with under 10 seconds. For Frisch, it would be Tassler, and for Bruria, I guess I'll just let you take a guess, and we would go into the final quarter of play tied at 45-45. More trading off of the lead to start the fourth. Fast forward to the late stages, though. Two minutes left, Bruria up 56-53. Pavel hits a shot from the low post and gets fouled on the way up. Pavel would miss the foul shot, and Bruria would have several chances to extend their lead, but came up empty, giving the ball back over to Frisch with under a minute to go when Fuhrer nailed a wide-open three to take the 58-56 lead. Bruria, who had looked to spend the last two minutes running out the clock, now had to get back on the offensive. With 35 seconds left, Bruria inbounded to Orgel, who put up a three but could not connect, as Fuhrer would come down with the rebound for Frisch. Fuhrer would be fouled and sent to the line 4-2. She would miss the first, but hit the second. Ali Orgel would attempt the three, but could not connect either, as the ball bounced away to Frisch. Bruria looked to foul, but could not make contact with Fuhrer until about four seconds left. With a three-point lead, one shot would put the game out of reach, making it a two-possession game. Fuhrer, though, would hit both to increase the Frisch lead to 61-56. Bruria would take one final inbounds as time would run out, sending the Frisch Cougars on to the finals. Fuhrer would be credited with 24 on the night to lead Frisch, while Jesse Orgel, with a spectacular game for Bruria, finishing with 28. It's interesting to believe that the story of this game really is a sophomore basically scoring at will against a varsity team that is now headed to a final. But, that being the case, the implications for Bruria, knowing what she has done and can certainly continue to do if she grows, needs to have the Lightning feeling extremely optimistic that they will be back at the very least in this game next year, and with much loftier goals definitely in reach. For Frisch, a year after being knocked out in the first round of the Varsity Girls playoffs, they would be heading on to the championship. Who they would play was being determined in Brooklyn that same night. SAR and Flatbush would square off in Flatbush. Flatbush opening up an 11-6 lead out of the first quarter before SAR went on a massive 11-0 run and opened up a 21-14 late in the second quarter. Flatbush would bite into the lead on a five-point run by Sylvia Franco, but SAR was able to keep distance, taking a 25-19 margin into the half. The start of the second half would feature almost the exact opposite of the second quarter, as both teams would go on mini-runs of six by Flatbush to tie the game on Victoria Gindy's two jumpers, but SAR would counter with five points of their own. However, Gindy and Rose Michon would step up for the Falcons to cut the deficit to one at 32-31. 
Flatbush, for all their efforts, still could not keep SAR off the board, and only two minutes later, SAR had opened up a 37-32 lead. Sarah Horowitz would score for Flatbush with 115 left in the third, and the 37-34 score would hold going into the fourth quarter of play. Another quarter of runs, Flatbush would open the fourth on a 6-1 clip to take a 40-38 lead, but the Sting, relentless all night, would counter with six straight of their own. Flatbush wasn't done, though. Jen Mallow would drop a bucket, and Gindy, Flatbush's top player on the night, would drive to the hoop to tie the game at 44. She would then be fouled on a steal and sink one of two from the line, and with two minutes to go, the Falcons, continuously climbing all night back into the driver's seat, looking to be there once again. But Dahlia Fisher drove the lane for SAR, drawing a foul, and would nail two shots to put the sting back on top, 46-45. to On the inbounds, Fisher would grab the ball away from Flatbush and record this in the assist on a lay-in from the low post to push the lead back out to three for SAR. Flatbush would attempt to climb back into the game, but could not draw any closer as the Sting drained free throw after free throw as the game wound down to finish out with a score of 57-46, outscoring the Falcons 19-6 in the last six minutes of the game and roll on to the finals. So the two teams, SAR and Frisch, will meet up this coming Thursday night, I believe, uh, March 10th, as it says on the website, at 8.15 p.m. These two teams, both uh, in that 10-2 deadlock that we also mentioned with Breweria before, for going at it again to split the regular season meetings with uh, with SAR taking the last game of the regular season a 43-38 win back on February 2nd in Frisch that would counter the uh, loss that they suffered by Frisch uh, to Frisch in SAR on January 5th so these two teams a lot of history between them facing uh, twice a year and uh, now they have all this to, to play for this coming uh, this coming Thursday night SAR a uh, hard luck loser to Breweria last year in the semifinals looking to get back to the championship game and looking to take a championship that this team took two years ago as members of the JV squad will they get there we'll find out next week right here on the court report again if you can make it this thursday night at tabc if it's this thursday night do so you're in for a classic moving on to girls jvs uh, the two semifinals essentially worked out as division champions with one being an east versus an east matchup and the other west versus west we'll start out with the east one where east three flatbush and east number one north shore squared off this game was a rubber match for the two clubs with each team having won the previous matchup on the opponent's court and each of those games almost too close to call the first quarter was a game of runs in both directions, much like the varsity with North Shore, sorry, with Flappish and SAR, North Shore scoring the first four points of the game, which was then answered by Flappish's five. The Stars then ripped off five straight points uh, of their own to take a 9-5 lead, before Carolyn Casson's three-pointer looked to be the beginning of a Flappish run, but North Shore would run off six straight more to take a 15-8 lead into the final few minutes of the first quarter. The Falcons would cut into the lead with two end-to-end -end drives from Marlene Levy as the clock wound down, but North Shore would maintain a three-point lead at the end of the first quarter of play. Flatbush would cap off the 6-0 run with a basket to start the second quarter, but would be quickly answered by North Shore. The teams would go back and forth on possessions, with North Shore edging out to a one-point lead, sorry, a five-point lead at 23-18, before a turnover in the final minute led to a Flatbush layup at the other end, with North Shore now holding a three-point lead into the half. 
the Falcons would continue the comeback on the other side of the half, outscoring the Stars 6-2, with Lydia Cohen giving Flatbush its first lead at 26-25. But Norshaw would quickly go back on top, scoring four for a 29-26 lead. Two Jackie uh, Mizrahi drives and two Casson free throws would put Falcons back on the in the lead. Uh, a last-second bucket by Norshall would cut that lead to one at 32-31 heading into the fourth quarter. But to this point, the third-seeded Falcons had pretty much proven that they could hang, and the start of the fourth quarter would pound that point home. Two jumpers by Esther Habert and a bucket and a long-range three by Kayla Mutovich around the North Shore score pushed the lead to eight at 41-33. North Shore, sensing their season slipping away, answered back with a three and another bucket to cut the score to 41-38. But Mutovich, scoring seven, her seventh point in four minutes, would put an end to that rally. Fast forward another minute, Flatbush at the end of another 5-2 run, rolling at 48-40, dealt a huge blow as Marlene Levy, the Falcons' leading scorer on the game with 13, picked up her fifth and final foul. And Flatbush would be forced to go the last three minutes without their best a defensive and offensive player. Norshall would take advantage of that, scoring six straight points to cut the score to 48-46 with under 30 seconds to go in the game. And with 17 seconds left, the ball would wind up in Norshall's possession. If this sounds familiar for Flatbush, it really is. It's very similar to the game with Hillel last week uh, for their uh, for their varsity boys. Norshall looked inside for a bucket to tie the game, but a miss led to a Flatbush rebound and a Norshall foul, sending Cass into the line with one second left. Casson would miss the first, but hit the second to give Norshall one last chance at tying the game. It was a chance that would never materialize, as on the ensuing inbounds, Regina Sada stepped in front of the inbounds for Flatbush as the clock ran out, with the East three-seed Falcons moving on to the JV Girls Final. Who they would play would be figured out this past Sunday morning in a matinee affair between SAR and Frisch. Another 1-3 as Frisch, the West 1 seed, would host the West 3 seed Sting. A slow-paced first quarter saw nerves from both sides in the form of turnovers. Only 11 points scored in the first six minutes. Frisch up 6-5. The last two minutes were a flurry of Frisch action, with the Layla Deludi free throw and four straight points by Atara Kanner to hold an 11-5 lead after one period of play. Second quarter saw more of the same as only four points fell in the first four minutes. SAR's first possession would yield a Hannah Schwalbe bucket to cut the margin to four, but a rebound and putback by cousin Molly Schwalbe for Frisch would put the score at 13-7 in Frisch's favor. Under a minute to go, the score 15-8. Hannah Schwalbe would fire from long range and nail a three-pointer to cut the score to 15-11. Schwalbe scoring five of SAR's six points on the quarter. That would end 16-11 after a Charlotte Turner free throw for the home uh, for the home side Cougars. Frisch would charge out of the second half, opening the stanza on a 6-1 run over the opening two minutes of the third quarter. Sting would counter with a 5-0 run of their own to cut the margin down to 5, with 3.44 remaining, though. A minute later, Frisch would end the rally on another bucket by Canner, having an impressive day on the scoreboard as well as the backboard. Uh, that was quickly followed up by a diluted lay-in to put the Cougars back up by 9. Frisch would get two more points before the end of the quarter and would take a 28-17 lead into the final period of play. After trading buckets early, the pace slowed for the next few minutes, with SAR trying to find outside shots in an attempt to catch up, but not hitting. 
The next points wouldn't come until 3.24 left on a free throw by SAR's Davida Kraus to hit the 20-point mark, to which Lieberman would answer to push the lead back out to 12. But Kraus would hit a 3 to bring it back to single digits, and an ensuing first turnover looked to give the Sting a bit of life. But a sting, uh, the Sting could not convert as time ticked off the clock. Frisch would add two buckets under the one-minute mark to wrap the game away, and with a 36-26 victory, another Cougars squad headed to the JV Girls Championship as well. So the Frisch Cougars and the Flappish Falcons will meet in the Girls JV Championship. Uh, that game has yet is yet to be determined whether that will be this week or next week. If it's next week, we'll have the preview for you right here on the Court Report. If it's this week, we will have the recap for you right here next week. Moving on to Girls B. Uh, one game uh, already played the last week, another game being played tonight. So, reviewing the Elon-SKA game. Uh, Elon, the one seed, SKA, the four seed. SKA defeated Elon 38-22. Miriam Caslow leading the way for the Sonics, scoring nine points in the first quarter alone. SKA will get to defend their crown again in the B Division Finals against the winner of, as I said, tonight's game, Number two, Bre- sorry, number three, Breweria at number two, Shellhevet. That game will tip off at around 8 p.m. Shellhevet swept the season series, winning handily in Shellhevet in November 35 to 23, before eking out a one-point win for the season sweep in early January in Breweria 34 to 33. Trend continuing, Breweria could look to have the upper hand here, but the game being on Shellhevet's court, Shellhevet with the home advantage. Who will make it? We will find out, and we'll report to you next week on the court report. Now let's move over to boys basketball. Two more championships set to be determined, uh, starting out with JV basketball. Again, another league that's up to its semifinals championship for this will take place in uh, YU on March 20th. Uh, prior to the Varsity Basketball Championship. But the two semifinals this week, one happening tonight, that being DRS and SAR. That game going to be the precursor to DRS's uh, to DRS's Varsity game happening a little later, which we'll get to. But SAR and DRS doing battle. SAR the second team in the West. DRS the top team in the East. SAR looking to get back to, uh, to the championship game and hopefully avenge last year's loss. DRS the undefeated team in the East, really a powerhouse throughout. This could be their toughest challenge, uh, at least uh, to this point. It'll, it could be their toughest challenge given uh, how they've virtually ran through the East all year. Really not dropping uh, dropping a beat and, and taking uh, the East for a ride. Uh, this could really be that one challenge. If they get this done, if they can beat SAR, then the championship game, not, gonna, not a cinch, it's never a cinch in the championship, but they'll have faced competition at least similar to what they will be facing, so they'll know that what they did in the regular season really wasn't just the product of of the fact that they were just better than their division. SAR, on the other hand, having... uh taken their shots against the top team, that being Frisch, who we'll get to in a second, having come close, this will be a real barometer for them. If they can beat DRS, uh, have that momentum going into the championship against uh, one of the two teams, which we'll discuss in a minute or so, SAR really could have that push to, to, take, out, uh, to take out one of the uh, other teams uh, en route to a championship and hopefully, like I said, avenge last year's loss. Standing in the way of one of these two teams, though, will be 
the winner of tomorrow night's game between East number two Mag and David and West number one Frisch. Originally that game was supposed to be tonight, but it got moved to tomorrow night. I'm sure to accommodate tonight's DRS Frisch basketball matchup. So at least we get the chance to enjoy a couple of nights of basketball. But East number two Mag and David, West number one Frisch. Again, Frisch the powerhouse all year. People really putting Frisch as one of the top uh, teams in the league, and they earned it. They went undefeated, 10-0, and going through the entire West, a tough Western division. Mag and David, though, after starting out the year uh, uh, on a very slow note, I'm not going to say a bad note, but a slow note, really sneaking up on people, taking uh, important games the rest of the way, and really crashing through the playoffs and into this round with a purpose. Mag and David really could find themselves, they are the Cinderella team, so they could really find themselves in, an, in a really enviable position if they get past Frisch. But getting past Frisch is going to be a huge challenge. Nobody has been able to do it to this point, and uh, Mag and David is probably the longest shot of these four teams to make it to the finals. But we'll... Uh, We'll uh, have this for you next week. We'll have the recaps for you next week. And we'll give you the rundown and route to the JV Championship, which, as I said, will be in Yeshiva University March 20th. So stay tuned for that. Finally tonight, we move over to varsity basketball. Just to review last week, still uh, in the quarterfinals for uh, for varsity basketball, we had East number three Hafter meeting up with West number two Frisch, a rematch of a game earlier this year. Not only that, a rematch of last year's Sarachek championship game, last year's controversial overtime finish. Question is, would we see a, at least a little bit of that on this night? It seemed very early on that Frisch would go right back to the game plan that we discussed last week uh, with three early shots from the perimeter as Josh Dukas opened up the game with a three for the Cougars. If you remember last week on our show, we discussed uh, the, the game plan needed to be taken because of Hafter's big men inside. Uh, would Frisch be able to, uh, to to take an inside game, or would they have to do exactly as they did against TABC and work from the outside in? Josh Dukas, big in that game. Dukas would prove to be big in this game as well. As we said, Hafter would look to go the opposite route, giving it inside to A.B. Perlow to start off their scoring from inside the paint. Frisch would switch it up and use their speed and versatility and start taking it to Hafter's big man set. Hafter going with three big men. They would go with A.B. Perlow, Max Rosner, and, uh, and Jake Berger. Uh, to start out the game, and Frisch trying to use that to their advantage, driving the lane and drawing fouls to open up an 8-4 lead. Perlau would close the gap to two before another Dukas three, and a Ben Gerber lay-in would open up a 13-6 advantage for the home team. A steal by Andrew Langer led to another two points for Frisch, and the Cougars, with 2.20 left in the first, now held a 15-6 advantage. Hafter would look to continue uh, to pound the ball down low to Perlau, Rosner, and Berger. Meanwhile, Langer was just getting started, hitting two free throws and a bucket. Hafter would add two points on a putback by Sammy Mandel after multiple misses by the Bigs, but Dukas would answer again with another three and two free throws by Langer, and Frisch amazingly now held a 24-10 lead at the end of only one. In only eight minutes of play, the Cougars had already nearly scored, um, they've scored nearly half of what they had in the prior meetings between the two earlier in the season, that a 57-56 Hafter victory in Hafter. Not only that, they had also succeeded in drawing seven fouls, mostly on Hafter's big three. 
Hafter would start the second switching things up and shooting more from the perimeter. A Max Rosner three would get the scoring started. Frisch, though, not changing much, extended their lead out to 29-13. The Hawks would gain some momentum, closing the gap to 11 on a Perlau drive down the lane for a lay-in and one on the foul to make the score 32-21. That would be the start of a six-point stretch for Perlau, as the Hawks were able to narrow the deficit to six before Scott Levine was able to stem the tide with a layup. The roles at this point had reversed as Hafter now used their smaller lineup to draw fouls from the Cougar Key players, and unlike in the first, Hafter was capitalizing as the clock wound down to the halftime buzzer. Hafter had built momentum owning the second quarter of play and succeeding in slowing down the Cougars' fast-paced style, outscoring Frisch 19-13, but still down 8 on the scoreboard, trailing 37-29. The Hawks would look to take advantage of the momentum to open the third. Mandel would drive the lane in the opening seconds, and just like in the first half, Dukas answered back with a 3, and Langer with another 2 of what would be a game-high and career-high 26 points. Perlau and Langer would trade buckets seemingly as they did all night, but Hafter would build a run from there, cutting the margin from 10-4 to 4 in only a 30-second span. Coming out of a timeout, though, Frisch drew back a bit of momentum with four points by Gerber, but Perlau went into beast mode, hitting a free throw, then on the next possession, missing a shot, getting the rebound one-handed, putting up a one-handed shot, and getting fouled on the way up. Despite that, Frisch had been able to keep pace and weather the storm, keeping the margin between 4 and 7, and would hold the margin until under a minute left in the quarter, when a Sammy Fishman lane would put Frisch up 60-52. to That would be the, the closest that Hafter would get the rest of the night. The Cougars would put together a 9-0 run in the first four minutes of the fourth quarter, ended by a Hafter lay-in with 4-0-1 to go, but by that point the score was already 69-54 to Frisch, and it would be all about keeping Hafter from getting the easy buckets. The Cougars would still outscore Hafter the rest of the way by a 9-4 margin, aided by A.B. Perlau being on the bench with an injury, and winning the game by the final score of 78-59. to Langer, as I said, finishing with 26, 14 of 18 from the line, matched by Perlau at 26, who had to miss most of the fourth quarter because of the injury, so it can only imagine what more he could have done. Uh, but it was very fitting for the two best players on the court this game. As we said last week, it would come down to these two to determine the respective, uh, you know, the respective teams' victories. The difference, though, secondary scoring. Frisch was able to count on double-digit efforts by Dukas and Gerber, um, whereas Perlau was really the only offensive weapon for Hafter on this night. So, Frisch will move on to now play DRS in the semis in DRS. A lot of history between the two. We'll get to that in just a second. Moving over to the other side of the bracket with the other quarterfinals. East fifth seed YDE traveling to the city for West 1 Heschel's home game in the quarters. YDE, the fifth seed, could not get started as Heschel held them to seven points in the first and nine in the second while doubling them up at the half 32-16 and would roll to a 27-point win behind Jeremy Spira's 14. Undefeated Heschel's defense really stifled the Thunder all night as it was not until the fourth quarter that YDE could really get any offense going when Morris Basul hit three threes for nine of his 14 points on the night to lead the Thunder in the loss. 
So now we have our two semifinals uh, going. They will be one tonight. That will be the DRS Frisch game, the, the preseason potential final favorites, as we we're talking about with Judah Ryan on this very show, DRS and Frisch, the two considered to be the top teams in the division, uh, both these teams having history with each other on JV and the varsity level. Two years ago, uh, both these teams undefeated uh, going into the uh, going into the postseason. DRS having to travel to Frisch in the semifinals. That team with A.B. Perlau going in and blitzing the Frisch Cougars to go on to the finals in what would be a championship season for the Wildcats. Wildcats, even without Perlau, still rolling. The number one team in the nation uh, last year uh, with the core of this year's team as juniors went into Frisch. Frisch looked to be the, uh, the actually the favorites last year, a game being again in Frisch. DRS coming back in the last few minutes of the game to uh, to to win the game and to go on to the finals where they would lose to Hafter. This year, though, much different story as DRS, the undefeated team, now holding the advantage. DRS will be the home team, first traveling there. Again, it looks as if the uh, the the matchup is going to come down to 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 Lifer and Langer as the DRS is uh, Gabe Lifer who has put on a show in in recent weeks, putting up. 30 uh, last week in their um, in their quarterfinal matchup. Langer putting up 26. Question is, will he be able to have the same success against DRS's stifling defense? DRS, one of the best defensive teams in the league, looking to show it and uh, looking to shut down Frisch and route to their trip to the finals. On the other end of the bracket, the game will be tomorrow night, where West, sorry, East 2 Frisch traveling to West 1 Heschel. For Heschel, it'll be another Brooklyn opponent coming into their gym in the city. Hard to believe that Heschel, as we have talked about this entire playoffs, two years ago, not even looking to really be the, the you know, that main team, uh, you know, more the secondary team, not really making it far this year, undefeated, that other undefeated team, being the second team in the nation, and getting a Sarachek in Invite, so which we'll talk about very very shortly. Very prestigious uh, uh, honor for them going to Sarachek. But another Brooklyn opponent, uh, YDE being the first. Now Flatbush coming to their gym. Flatbush uh, making a staunch showing after what was a really really slow start. Having the chance to see them at the Cooper tournament in Memphis, where it, it looked like they would only be a shell of the team that they were two years ago. Um, two years ago, that JV team making it to the finals against DRS. Now, uh, you know, after after having a poor showing at uh, Cooper and starting out the year losing three of their first five, after that, an eight-one run the rest of the way. Uh, a couple of uh, one big win over Hillel in the sem in the quarters. Now getting a chance to go into Heschel and uh, match up against the Heat for a trip to the finals. Uh, again, Flatbush and Heschel meeting up on one side of the bracket. Frisch and DRS meeting on the other side. The two will meet on the 20th next week. We'll have a preview for the championship game for you right here on the Court Report. Before we close up, this coming weekend will be the 25th annual Red Sarachek Basketball Tournament happening at YU. Tournament's going to start this coming Thursday night, and will end this coming Monday with several championships. Uh, 20 teams selected this year. Uh, the way the teams worked out, uh, along with the seedings, 
starting at number one, the number one team in the nation, DRS Wildcats. Number two, no surprise, the number two uh, team in the nation, the Heschel Heat. Three through three and four getting buys on the first day will be Shalhevet and Valley Tora. The uh, the fifth through eight teams will be Eula, uh, Wein, formerly Weinbaum Yeshiva High School in Boca Raton, uh, Yeshiva League School Frisch at seven, uh, Rajji at eight, TABC another Yeshiva League school at nine, uh, Cooper at ten, um, Mimo from uh, from uh, Boston at eleven, MTA host school Yeshiva League team at twelve. Ida Crown at 13, uh, my alma mater Rambam at 14. So good to see the uh, the Ravens getting their due on uh, on the on uh, the big court at Yeshiva University. Fuchs Mizrahi will be number 15. Hebrew Academy of Montreal at 16. Kohelet from Philadelphia at 17. Cy High from San Diego at 18. Robert M. Barron Academy from Houston, Texas at 19. And Atlanta Jewish at 20. So the matchups for the first day will be as follows. Looking at the schedule for Thursday... We will have 10 o'clock on the big court. Ida Crown against Atlanta. Following that, 11.30 will be Hebrew Academy of Montreal against Kohelet. The 1 o'clock game will be Yeshiva High School Weinbaum, the 6th seed against the 11th seed Maimonides. 2.30 will be Fuchs, the 15th seed against Cy High, 18. 4 o'clock will see Rambam, number 14, against Robert M. Barron. 5.30 will get, into, will get back into the higher-seeded games where Eula will face off against MTA. So uh, I guess you can call it a Yeshiva University battle there. 7 p.m. will feature Rashi and TABC. And to round out the night, Frick will face off against Cooper. So a couple of really interesting matchups there. Uh, could see a couple of uh, Yeshiva League-style games uh, before uh, you know before the championship. Chance of Frisch, Heschel, or DRS squaring off against each other. Who knows what could happen in this final, uh, which will be only a couple of days before the championship game. Uh, all games taking place at the Max Stern Athletic Center. If you can get there for this event, please do so. I'm going to look to get there for a couple of games over the weekend. The second round of games, which will involve the top four teams, as we said, DRS, Heschel, Valley Torah, sorry, shall have it, and Valley Torah. So two New York, two California teams leading the way. They'll start their their games on Friday, and uh, the brackets will follow from there on out. Before we end off our show today, I just want to go back to the words for the wise. I know we've uh, been going without it for the last couple of weeks just because of all the playoff action that we've had to get in, but I figure I'm going to jump ahead to the 100 best sports courts of all time on uh, Bleacher uh, Report. We're going to get down to number 10. And number 10 right away I thought was something that was really potent, and I think it speaks for itself. Generally, I will give a little tidbit on my thoughts on it, but I think it really does just speak for itself, so I'll just leave it as is. It's a quote by Emmett. Smith, former running back for the Dallas Cowboys. For me, winning isn't something that happens suddenly on the field when the whistle blows and the crowds roar. Winning is something that builds physically and mentally every day that you train and every night that you dream. I think uh, I think that there are no words truer than that to really explain what it means to 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 get in the in the mindset of winning. It happens from the moment you get up to the moment you go to sleep. With everything that you do, if you really want something, you need to put your mind and your focus to it.
So that'll about wrap up our show for the week. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, this coming weekend, again, will be the hockey championships. Uh, one girls championship coming up this week. So next week for you, we will have recaps of those games. And on the other side, we'll also have previews of the championship games still remaining, including the, uh, the, the recaps of the two semifinal basketball games for JV and Varsity. And we will get to the previews for the JV and Varsity basketball championships happening on March 20th. We'll also look to have a Sarachek recap for you, which should be uh, extremely interesting, and can't wait to see what rolls out in that and how it will impact, potentially, what what uh, could be the landscape of the game that will happen on the 20th. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can also catch the Encore presentation every Sunday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, jam in the a.m. with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Very busy now. Championships coming up. Get in your orders. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. They'll be more than pleased to get it done for you. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning, just like you did this morning, on Jam in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning Jam in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the like tab. Let's get that number up. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com